Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Welcome to the Nichols Family Lawyers podcast. My name is Beck Dahl and I'm a partner and family lawyer at Nichols Family Lawyers. I'm joined today by Sally Nichols, who is the managing partner of Nichols Family Lawyers, and Flynn Allen, who is the director and editor of our podcast series. I think it's safe to say that for almost everyone, life has changed dramatically in the last few weeks in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. For many of us, our world has gone virtual, including our work, schools and how we socialize with friends and family. Some of us are having to learn how to juggle working from home while homeschooling children. For others, it might be learning how to co-parent during a separated spouse during a very uncertain time. But as we know, no two families are the same and we are all likely having different experiences in quarantine. In today's podcast, we'll gain an insight into how members of our LGBTIQ community and Rainbow families are experiencing this time. We'll talk families, parenting, and have some fun as well. Joining us today for our conversation, we have three amazing guests who are all parenting in Rainbow families, Jack Tomlins, Michelle Shepard, and Jason Twazel McSheen. Jack is a writer, trainer, and advocate with more than 30 years experience working in the LGBTIQ field. She is an amazing author and has recently published a book for young people called The Curse of Grandma Maple, which we'll hear all about later. Michelle is a trans woman, public speaker, advocate and radio personality. Jason is also an advocate, a marriage celebrant and the creator of the Equality Project and the Better Together Conference, bringing together the LGBTIQ people and their allies from across the world. Thank you, Jack, Michelle and Jason for joining us today. Thank you, Beck. Great to be here. Thank you, Beck. Thanks, Beck. It's good to be here. I'm going to start with finding out a little bit what's going on for all of you in your home. So can you tell us about what's going on at your house in the moment? at the moment? Do you have adults there, children? Are you working, homeschooling, or just trying to survive? Jason, we'll start with you. Not sure what's going on. It's organised chaos. We got a COVID-19 rescue cat named Sophie, who has made herself at home the past three weeks. We, Ruben's home on school holidays right now, who's our son, who is 14 in year nine, and will now be home for the next 13 weeks, <laughs> including term two, which makes me freak out as I think about that. And uh, my mum lives on our land, and obviously my husband, Adrian, is here. So there's four of us plus a cat and a goldfish. Um, it's okay so far because we've been enjoying the time with each other during the holidays and the weather's not too bad 
Um, but it is a bit strange to have, you know, you crave having time with each other and now we have all this time to be <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it's, it's um, yeah, that's my household. But we did start with buying ourselves some oodies or oodies, which are these hooded blankety things that you wear. And we've got four of them and all four of us have a pink one and that's our evening attire that nobody will ever see. Oh, where can I get one of those? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Jack, what about you? Tell us about your house at the moment. Well, we have quite a busy and full household currently. So Sarah and I, we're both working from home and Sarah is working pretty full on. We've uh, reconfigured a spare room so that she has an office space. And we effectively have three teenagers. So Corin, who's 17, Scout 14 and Cully 12 and a half. Um, I have to say so far so good. Um, the news of term two being at home um, was a little bit a little bit stressful with that, and I heard it early in the morning, and I thought, well, I won't tell the kids that yet. Um, but of course, they know because they have access to uh, all of that information. So Scout appeared and said, "When am I going to see my friends?" So I think they're um, yeah, so far so good, but um, we have been. A lot of screen time, but I might talk about that a bit later. Look, I think, like Jason says, lovely to be spending more time with each other. Uh, we have Monopoly, and that, that's been an interesting challenge as well, getting through a game of Monopoly <laughs> with, um, with everybody in good humour. And, um, and lots of jigsaw puzzles, and we're doing a bit of baking. Um, so at the moment we're okay. And I keep saying it is a marathon, not a sprint. So we have to pace ourselves. Well, that's a Excellent. good response. Yeah. And what about you, Michelle? Well, I'm doing the shared parenting thing. So we've gone back and forth between the two houses. Uh, there has been, um, you know, a lot of boredom, a lot of screen time, uh, and unfortunately, we're dealing with two different parenting styles as well with rules, especially while my 14-year-old has her first boyfriend for the first time and is desperate to go see him. <laughs> Pretty much star-crossed lovers love in the time of corona. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I've recently started a relationship myself uh, right before all of this lockdown happened. And so we made the decision to actually just bunker down here together um which has been an interesting thing because you're you've got so much removed from your external life uh she's uh welsh i'm american in australia we don't have family outside apart from my kids so we're it's 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 an interesting change to um uh how to how to date really you kind of it's almost like married at first sight but without all that extra other stuff too so <laughs> you get to see all the ugly crazy bits at the beginning and not like two years down the road it, it's it's uh it's an honest open thing so uh we've got trust me there's all, all kinds of things we could talk about just in just in that so <laughs> And you've all talked about some of the great things about being home together, but what are some of the daily challenges you're facing, whether they're big or small, with having the kids at home and how are you working through them? 
Jack, Shall do you I want to start? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I think the interesting thing and that I'm seeing on social media and people are talking about is screen time as one of the biggest mm -hmm. challenges and about how we manage our days with any number of kids that we've got. And I have to say, I, I have looked at some posts around this and how people have structured their days and uh, quite, quite detailed with activities allocated at different times and uh, really trying to keep the kids off the screens. And I have to say, you know, I look at these and I think, oh my God, I'm exhausted just looking at these really complex schedules. And I think for me, my big lesson about this is that whatever gets you through and that if the kids spend a lot of time on screens, you know, I really, really can't stress about that right now. So, and what, I, what I've been thinking is that, so my son is on a lot and he does a lot of gaming, but the other thing is he is connecting with his friends. This is how he does his social life. Um, he gets up early, he's on it, the whole time he's talking to his mates. And honestly, some of the conversations, they're all obsessed with Trump and politics. And so while they're gaming, they're also having all sorts of interesting conversations at, at other times. And our, his computer is in our main living area. Um, you know, so we can listen in on these, fascinating, some of them. I mean, half the time I can't understand a word he's talking about um, <laughs> because it's all gaming lingo, but other times really quite interesting. And uh, Kali's the same, so she spends a lot of time on hers, but again, she's got a phone and then her laptop and then her, her other device, so multiple devices, but she's also communicating with her friends a lot. And we bought her for Christmas, it's called a Wacom, I think. It's like a, a small tablet that you draw on, but it connects to a screen. So she's doing lots and lots of drawing. Um, and yesterday she was creating characters from a book in her head and doing drawings of these characters. So I think the thing with the screens is you've got to think about what the kids are doing on them. And I also discovered yesterday Scout is into documentaries. Like who knew? She's watching these true crime documentaries. She said it's like reading a murder mystery. So I think, you know, one of the things for me is that I know people are really, really anxious and stressed about how much time the kids are spending on screens. But, you know, I think in the first place, you really got to relax a little bit about this. Otherwise, you're going to go crazy. And actually, some of the things that they're doing on them are really very good. I think that's a great, um, that's Sally here. I think that's a great comment Jack to look at it in all the positives and we're doing a po um, podcast later today with the Alana Medlin Foundation to look at cyber safety and cyber risks but I know that they always when they talk about um, social media and screens say there's there, there are huge positives about social media as well and you've said it that connectivity for the kids is so important so anyone who's interested in listening to this podcast should also listen to the cyber safety as well but the fact that you're connecting with your children that you're aware of what they're doing and listening to is really important as well well i um i called up my parents called up my parents the other day who are in new zealand i'm stuck in australia uh um pity i'm away from family ah oh, sometimes <laughs> it's good to have a break i mean um but so they're very strict on screen time um with my sister who is seven um and 
she has uh, ADHD along with my father, so they're they're stuck inside. Um, that's that's great. Um, so she decided that in entertainment she'd pour the entire Lego box down the stairs, and because we have holes in our stairs, it went down to the lower level, and so my mum was working and she just heard this massive crash. So I mean. Yeah, I think screens can be useful sometimes. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think for working parents, it's it's going to be incredibly hard to educate kids and actually um, be working from home too. That's going to be just an amazing challenge. That the pit in my stomach when I heard that term two announcement, Jack, it was the same for me. Thinking, but how I think on earth are we so, going to do it? Sorry, I think also Sal when we get on to homeschooling and I think there's, you know, some lessons there too. And as a former teacher, I think that, you know, depending on how old your kids are, your year 12 kids, certainly there's going to be some challenges there, but you know, with the younger ones, I think having a strict schedule where you are teaching your kids or trying to engage them in, in some kind of formalized learning, that might work for some people, but most of us aren't teachers. Most of us are parents. And I think, you know, we've been doing a lot of baking. Uh, I've been doing a lot of baking with my middle one. Lovely, gorgeous activity. I think she's learning an awful lot, even with the maths. We're doing half quantities, so she's working that out. Um, uh, Just doing household things and you know other tasks and housework or doing jigsaw puzzles or reading I think there's a whole raft of things that you can be doing with your kids that are fun and manageable I think people are going to really struggle and I think it's important to remember that we're not actually teachers we're just parents and it's a different role and if your kids have six months where they're not doing formal learning at school but they're doing other stuff at home, they're going to be okay. I agree. And it's an actual wonderful opportunity to just be family and just be together. And sometimes as a former teacher myself, I wonder, I worry that um, school is just a uh, elaborate babysitting service anyway, on some levels. Um, and we have a chance now to spend at least one term, maybe two um, together and do some learning about each other and, some learning that's not typically sit there and listen, you know, to do the maths lesson, for example, but to do a jigsaw puzzle together or go for a walk. We, my family, we go for a walk every night after dinner now for 45 minutes. We've got a couple of routes that we go down and, and we have lots of talking happen during that. Um, we've got jigsaw, jigsaw puzzle set up um, on the table that will probably be there for um, as many get done over the next 10 weeks. Um, and, we're going to set up when school starts next week, um, the desk space where I normally sit next to Adrian in our home office, Ruben will have that space for when he has to do his online stuff. But um, I agree with Jack. I I think um, kids will catch up where they've missed out, but actually a lot of the learning is just about being alive and negotiating day to day. And I look forward to this simpler life that we have for the next few months as one of the positives. And what about you, Michelle, with the fact that you've got to co-parent and you've got two different households running, what, how, what are the challenges there? I, it's just, it, we've developed over the years, now that we've been separated for about seven years, it's, it's the differing parenting styles. Uh, like I'm one of those people of, 
if I've made dinner, then, you know, I want you to come in and empty the dishwasher and you help out with dishes and, and pulling, you know, pulling their weight as part of stuff um, where, you know, the belief in the other household is why are you making the kids do your chores in your house? So there's this misunderstanding of how we do our parenting styles. My worry is uh, my daughter, my oldest actually had to get a tutor because she was struggling with math and science and what that's going to do with the progress that we've made so far to this point. Um, because my ex works from home and runs her own business from home and is very disengaged with the kids from usually nine till nine. So, um, you know, regulating that time on the, on the computer and stuff and, you know, trying to have that conversation of, Hey, maybe, maybe I should bring one of the kids here and work while I'm working as well. Or, um, you know, but one of the great things was when this first happened, uh, with my girlfriend being here, my girlfriend has a friend who is a, uh, professor in, in ancient Roman history. And then there's a friend who's a scientist. It was a nuclear scientist, I believe. And, you know, my girlfriend's big on cooking and baking. So my youngest actually has a lot of um, self-esteem issues when it comes to just jumping in and doing things. So uh, Beth took the, uh, Peyton in the kitchen. They started doing baking and showing her how to do stuff. Well, here, you're my sous chef. Here, you do some chopping. And, um, and so you know, my daughter actually was now getting up and making her own breakfast and making eggs and cooking bacon and doing things. But then taking that back to her mother's house, her mother's like, what are you doing? Get out of the kitchen. She's like, mom, I know what I'm doing, which, but she wouldn't give her the benefit of the doubt. So it's, it's those things that we're trying to navigate between, you know, when, when I'm trying to, you know, encourage and, you know, self-sufficient and learn to do things. And which is so good about having somebody on the same wavelength as yourself, living with you, um, learning your kids while you're trying to struggle through this too. It's, it's really good. And so for her to encourage and go, here's my friend, talk to Megan. She's a woman who's in, in the sciences. And, and you know, that has been a, a godsend during this. And has anyone found, and have you found that you've got the same self-isolation principles or you're committed to the same self-isolation is there any issues there at all in terms of how you're living we've, we've here been um been strictly here than the shops the chemist like that's it we've literally just i mean occasionally we've we've had an order from the fish and chip shop which is like right across the street but i do an order i pick up i go we have we've been complete lockdown in my house for three weeks now mm. um, but i've also ended a job uh, a job i was doing for fitted for work on 31st of march and then on the 1st of April, I started my new job on my new laptop in the same spot, in the same table, uh, everything. So it's, uh, we've, we've really just been hunkered down here. But then my ex allowed my oldest to go see her boyfriend uh, around the corner from me. And I'm like, wait a minute, he's got a grandmother, what are we doing? So um, there's a difference in styles between our isolation, between our two households. Michelle listening to you has reminded me of something that happened last week around the household chores on the domestic front and i love your idea of getting the kids to be a bit more responsible about dishes and cooking and stuff and at the moment of course there are five of us in the house all the time so the house is more messy there's more stuff around it needs cleaning more there's more food preparation and so I thought, you know, Sarah and I working full time, the kids, teenagers should be taking a bit more responsibility. So I drew up a long list of chores and I said I wanted to have a, a meeting with everybody and that we were going to divvy up everything and different people do different things. 
Anyway, uh, I thought it was a great idea. Went very badly. Um, <laughs> ended up in a big fight. Um, and the funny thing is, with the kids, it's not actually the doing of the chores that's the problem. One of the biggest issues is that they, they just need to make sure that the balance is right. So it's all about making sure that they don't do more than the other person and who's doing what and when. Anyway, I won't bore you with the details, but it was a complete nightmare. Uh, so I cracked shits after that, um, as did Sarah. And now we are back to a uh, fabulously messy house with stuff everywhere and me getting teeny bit frustrated and thinking this is going to be one of my challenges for the next however many weeks we are here. So um, lovely to hear hints and tips about how other people are managing that. My son thinks that um, I've avoided all housework because we have assigned him with numerous tasks. So he does the vacuuming, the clothes washing, the dishwasher emptying and filling and obviously manages his own room. And he looks at me and says, what do you do? <laughs> Jason, can Ruben come and stay with us, please? <laughs> I'm sure he would love, love to that. have him. We, we did um, actually do a, a, like a drug deal, didn't we, Jack, the other week where we swapped over some jigsaw puzzles and things. Um, <laughs> and he's actually working on that as we speak, actually. But, um, yeah, you don't, no. it took a long time for him to get any good at the housework. It's only now, after two years of him doing it, that he's reasonably good. I will tell this story. Um, we went to Mardi Gras and we used to be able to go out and do things. Remember that time? Um, <laughs> and we came home and the laundry hadn't been done, obviously, because we'd gone that weekend and Saturday mornings is laundry time. And I said, we have to do this. And he whinged and whined and complained. And so when he was out there hanging out the laundry, I went out to help him. And the interesting thing was he actually put his hand on my shoulder, which is an interesting move. And he said, dad, I know I whinge and whine all the time, but I actually quite like doing this. So I totted back inside and finished cooking dinner and let him off to do that. But it's, it's um, yes, he does do our slave labor. That's why we had him. Yeah. <laughs> the most awkward quoting finger in there drug deal I had to do was I met up with a friend at a gym parking lot here in Melton because I ran out of toilet paper and I needed some. And so basically she gave me a bag and we went to the boot of her car and she gave me three rolls of, of loo paper. And I was like, it is, it is a weird time when, you know, the, 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 the bad drugs are actually more available than things like toilet paper. It's <laughs> incredible. Um, Sal, maybe, you know, Michelle talked about some of the challenges working through co-parenting at the moment and, you know, there's, there's ideally parents can work through those things, but there's still obviously legal options available at the moment if people have a more serious um, challenge they're trying to work through. Look, there are, again, I'd hesitate to, um, to encourage people to, uh, to immediately consider a court action, of course, at this time, there are incredible counsellors who are prepared to hop onto a Zoom, to hop on um, at the end of a phone or to be virtual, to try and actually get, get on top of um, issues uh, with, with um, parents and try and actually nut out a solution if they can. But if there is an urgent crisis, for example, if there's a domestic violence issue, if, there's, um, if children are being used um, 
as a form of uh, family violence. When I say that, um, I had one client where one parent was not returning um, children and had been a history of family violence. And part of that family violence was saying to the other parent, well, what are you going to do? The courts aren't actually um, up and running at the moment. Practically, practically inferring there's no law and order. That's not the case. Um, the, the courts, the police uh, are responding to uh, children being at risk, to families being at risk. And um, I think part of the um, abusive nature of some of the perpetrators is trying to take advantage of the social isolation. And I have had, and we have had, Beck, haven't we had quite a few calls mm. from clients who've almost been paralysed thinking, well, I have to remain in social isolation so I can't separate or I can't actually deal with this parenting issue. There are strategies. Um, they might be a little bit lateral, a little bit different, but if there's something pressing or urgent, court orders are still enforceable. And our judges have actually said, and particularly our Chief Justice, and we've actually included his um, a couple of interviews with him, try and be lateral. Don't try it. Sometimes you might not be able to stick to the letter of an order. If you can't hand over a child um, at um, a certain place or a playground that's not appropriate anymore, then, of course, that can't happen. But try and be lateral and talk and try and resolve things and be reasonable. But don't try and take advantage of COVID-19 uh, because it can, it can actually be tantamount to family violence to actually use it in that way. And, and we've already seen the consequences and police are not tolerating it. It, it's, it's wrong. In my circles, I'm already seeing uh, fathers who get the every other weekend visitations and mothers who are claiming that their work is frontline essential work and that they aren't giving up the kids for the weekends with their father. Um, I've, I've seen a few cases of this already. I mean, luckily, I've got a good working relationship of co-parenting with my um, children's mother, but I'm already seeing a large number of cases that where they just, the mother's like, nope, my job is, is frontline essential services and you can't have them because uh, it'll, put, it'll put me in jeopardy. And the father's like, what do I do? Are they doing it because they're saying, well, because of the self-isolation, they can't go or you've got different values? What was that? No, they're basically saying that they, mothers who are working, they say that my job is frontline essential services. Oh. I'm frontline. And so because of that, I can't put that at jeopardy. So I'm not bringing the kids to you because um, we're, I'm isolating everybody else around me because of my job. Yes. And, and it's, you know, you're seeing a, a large number of parents who are fathers who are actually being put out because even though there's court orders, they're like, well, what do I do the right thing? Do I not, is it not the right thing? You know, I want to see my kids, but what is, you know, there's those questions. Yeah, no, that, that's unreasonable. That is unreasonable. And there's, um, again, um, that's when I would really suggest for those people to try and at first access, um, there's some very good um, psychologists and counsellors who are ready to deal with those issues, um, particularly virtually online, because even though we are absolutely honouring and um, heralding, you know, our frontline uh, medicos and nurses because they're doing an awesome job and they're going to be put in that front line. That, that is unreasonable. The government's made it clear that children can move between two households. That's been, that directive is there. Yeah. And for people to be reasonable with each other and to have talks about how we're self-isolating and to make it to be um, online with that and parallel and reasonable. And if someone is being unreasonable, it's the same course that we do in any parenting dispute, then 
then they might, ha might have to resort to talking to someone like myself and to get a legal letter out. And um, if I can actually get alternative, alternative dispute resolution, we all will do that. But then I think some um, strong um, letter might have to go out too to say, no, don't take advantage of it in that way. Whilst we think the work you're doing is amazing, don't use children in the dispute. Don't use that in, in, in that way. Thanks, Sal. Um, now, look, before we finish up, I want to talk about some fun things that people can do in their houses. And, Jack, I want to throw to you because you've got the most fun thing for kids who are looking for some <laughs> entertainment. What can you tell us about your new book? Thanks, Beck. Well, last November I published The Curse of Grandma Maple, which is a book aimed at upper primary age groups, so sort of 8 to 12, but I've had younger and older readers. And the book is a mystery adventure set in Canada with two sets of cousins. It's a fast-paced, fun action, but its defining feature is that the two kids, the two Australian kids, have two mums. So it's a, a, a gorgeous book for rainbow families, not about a rainbow family, but about kids who have two mums. And um, what I decided to do as a, uh, a kind of a small contribution to rainbow families was to turn it into an audio book. Um, now, I, I must qualify that because that means that's me reading chapters um, onto my phone and uploading them. And I have to confess, I did read aloud the first chapter five times um, to myself and, and record it and thought, okay, I, I just need to take a step back here. I'm not uh, Stephen Fry. Um, <laughs> but I have now uh, read all of the chapters uh, to tape. It runs about five hours. And that will be available on my website and on Rainbow Family's website. And I hope it will just be a lovely thing that parents can do with their kids when everything's kind of uh, maybe all getting a bit too much, that they can plug the kids in and they can listen to the story at their leisure. That's fabulous, Jack. Thank you so much for that. Well, look, that's all we have time for today, but I just want to say thank you to Michelle, Jack and Jason for opening their homes to us, really, and giving us a bit of an insight into um, parenting in rainbow families during these very strange times. And also, Sally and Flynn, thank you for your input as well. All good. Thank you. Yep, pleasure. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.